This week is a double Parsha, Bahar Bahukotai, from the latter part of Leviticus. And it's all about an elaborate sacred calendar coming to life over time. It seems so obvious to us now, but it's quite revolutionary to imagine that your relationship to the divine, your relationship to each other, and your relationship to the land is all kind of formulated in one interconnected year, a year of sacred time. And last week we began to see the calendar come to life and it takes full fruition this week in this double Parsha. We learn about the Shemitah year, we learn about the sabbatical cycle, and then we learn of the seven times seven, the 49 years of repeating the sabbatical calendar until we get to the Jubilee, until we get to Yuval, until we get to the 50th, the 50th year, and then we start all over again. We're, we're used to the notion that we have to rest, that after six days of work, there is a seventh day of mandatory rest. But the Shemitah year, the sabbatical year, is that every six years we work the land, we toil in an agricultural society and environment, and on the seventh year we let the land lay fallow. Our modern ideas of this are when faculty members at universities still got sabbaticals, something that is less and less of a truth. But it was the same idea that you toil away teaching, researching, writing, and kind of repeating yourself, honestly, and that you need a sabbatical every seven years for your mind to rest, for you to regenerate, to produce new ideas and really even new ways of thinking. I think it would be convenient to give a drash, to give a sermon about all of the silver linings of some kind of externally enforced Shemitah that is lockdown or quarantine. And I, I can see the appeal, I felt the appeal this week, partially because we've learned of a fair amount of environmental and ecological benefits that come from not flying, not driving, um, just consuming less in a way. And partly because I recognize that some of us have been able to find silver linings to being at home. It may be that you're an empty nester who suddenly has adult children forced to hang out with you. It may be that in my case, you've spent more time with your three kids than you ever had in your entire um, six years of motherhood. Um, but I, I feel like it would be missing the point of what Shemitah and what sabbaticals, true Ikar, true essence really is. This sabbatical is meant to help us 
in the way that so much of Torah is meant to help us find an essence of control in the midst of uncertainty through time. And I can't imagine a time when I have felt less in control of time than now. The Shemitah, the sabbatical, is meant to ensure that the land does not become overworked. Um, it's an efficient, uh, even, even today we would say it's, uh, it's a very wise way of working the land. But even then, Leviticus says that you should make sure that everyone who's vulnerable in your society, that the widow and the orphan, that they have food to eat that you should make sure that you have enough stores warehoused so that no one goes hungry in the seventh year. And that if you are following the mitzvot, you will be able to provide for each other and that God will provide for you. And yet those same populations are who are being made most vulnerable and most in need during this pandemic. This pandemic is inflicting more pain and suffering than ever in a way that the Shemitah never would. So why I think, while I think it is useful to hold on to the silver linings, the unintentional benefits that have come from this time, I think we should be careful not to romanticize, not even to try to rationalize for ourselves that in a way that our people have been good at for centuries. It's okay to just name and live um, in the kvetch. Not to let it overtake you. You have to get up every morning. Even if you don't have to change clothes anymore, you still do have to wake up spiritually and, um, and physically. But I encourage you that maybe this time of rest, this seventh day, Maybe this time of rest is really about our ability to recognize um, that there is no Torah for what we're in now. Um, there is only the blueprints of the ways in which our people have tried to survive global crises in the past and the ways in which they have kvetched and complained and haven't drawn convenient parallels but that they've lived in it um, and that they've survived it, but they've done it with a healthy dose of reality about just how scary and just how real um, and just how little control they ultimately have over what's going on. Um, they taught us in rabbinical school, and I thought of this because Rabbi Beth and Rabbi Jonathan's daughter, Rina, was ordained as a rabbi last Sunday. And it brought me back to so many of the messages I learned at the end of my time at Hebrew Union College when I was ordained this weekend nine years ago. They used to say, you're supposed to end a drash on a nechemta. Nechu means to comfort. You're supposed to comfort. You're supposed to comfort people. Not, uh, it's okay to depress them in the middle, but by the end, you should come you should come to a happy place of shalom. Um, so I will just say that I have every bit of optimism 
every bit of optimism that my ancestors know what this was like. And I feel so connected to them. Um, you know, as the, as the granddaughter of Holocaust survivors, it's been so hard to not trivialize and yet draw parallels to what these experiences are like. Um, but I, I think that my drosh comes from a place of saying, be in it and know that from the kvetch and from the reality and from the pragmatism can come a real inner strength and a real koach um, that, uh, that we are more than able to get through this and that notions of sacred time don't help us control, but they help us count from day to day, from week to week, from year to year, um, as we make our way to places of greater freedom, greater health, and greater safety. Shabbat shalom.